The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself, Bully Ray, and Tommy Dreamer talk about being a draw in pro wrestling. Who's the biggest draw right now or ever in AEW? And we talked to one of the biggest draws when it came to the NWA and Jim Crockett promotions, and that's Magnum TA. He does a bit of a master's class with our Masters of the Ring today on the Busted Open Podcast. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. 
to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Tommy, let me ask you straight up. CM Punk, the biggest draw in AEW history? Ooh. Uh, he did move some tickets and he did move uh, some numbers. So I would say yes. I mean, you look at Dynamite. With the exception, I think, of the first ever Dynamite, the biggest ratings were with, with CM Punk on the roster. I believe every pay-per-view CM Punk was involved in was a million-dollar house. And you look at Rampage when he debuted, obviously the biggest uh, rating Rampage ever had involved CM Punk. Um, I think CM Punk is the biggest draw AEW has ever had. Bully, what say you? Let's take the ratings. Let's, say you. let's let's take the ratings and throw them out the window. Let's let's just okay. say that on any given week, because of competition, yada yada, the rating can go up or go down or whatever. So let's throw that out the door. Even though the shows that Punk were on, there was a bump in the rating. Yes. Let's take the one thing that you can argue. How many million-dollar houses has AEW drawn on pay-per-views, premium live events, without CM Punk on it? I don't think, and again, uh, Paul and Andre could look this up. I believe the first million-dollar house was with CM Punk. So he's he moved the the most real number in pro wrestling. And I believe when he had his his moment at that press conference, didn't he say there were two million dollar houses that he drew? Well, because the the, the one obviously that night, you know. Okay, he, fair enough. Went before so, he burned the company down. So uh, not Jericho, not the Bucks, not Kenny, not Cody, not Willow Nightingale, not uh, Sting. Not Darby, not MJF, yada, yada, not your sister's ass. CM Punk. Um, let me ask you this, if we could play our verbal tennis debate. <clears throat> they just five times blew that door, number out the door with advertising nobody. They just do a $5 million gate. You know what that is. I'm asking you. It's the Elvin ECW Nick. anomaly. Okay. So you have this, I think Tony does do a good balance of both. And this show has to be a kick-ass show. And I always say, I, I feel AEW does pay-per-view right. Um, they were at times going a little lengthy, but our very own Dave LaGreca at one point crying in the crowd with, you know, all these surprises, all that stuff. Um, and, and listen, I know where your head goes because you think draws um, Austin rock. Can I ask you this? Because I know my answer, but I want to hear, removing yourself, do you think the Dudleys in your brain, where we're talking, were a draw? What company? <laughs> they were a draw in ECW, yes. 
I, well, I, I have to ask you what company, because I am very honest about what I know the Dudleys are. were. So you're in the WWE, were the Dudleys a draw? Yes. Did the Dudleys name alone put asses in seats? I'm asking you this question. No. Really? I don't believe that our names alone, uh, a la the Road Warriors, put asses in seats. Now, if you put Dudleys versus Hardys, yes, I believe it was a draw. Interesting how you think. And this is, I mean, we've never had this conversation. We, well, this is, this is like the conversation I had with Austin. Like my, my, when me and Steve joked around on the broken skull sessions, when he said, who sold out WrestleMania? And I said, you did. He goes, who stole the show? I said, we did. And we yeah. laughed because he, he, he agreed with it. Can I ask you this? Undertaker. A draw. Correct. As Dave is pacing. No. Holy crap. And I only say that because you have to look at it in comparison to Steve and Rocky. Hang on, my last if one. Steve and Rocky, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. Can we put Undertaker in the same category as Rock, Steve, Cena, Hogan? Oh my gosh! I, I, I we got to take a pause because I need a little. I need no, to no, no, no. You're not pausing, so you a, can think about. No, this. we have to. We, we have, have to. to. We just we paused to a, ten minutes ago. We got to take a break. We got to take a break. By the we're way, called they commercial were, breaks. They pay by, the bills. By the way, all four pay-per-views in 2022 were a million-dollar gate for AEW. Revolution, which involved Punk, Double or Nothing, which involved Punk, All Out, which involved Punk, and Full Gear, which did not involve Punk. So all four pay-per-views in 2022 were million-dollar gates. Now, as it seems to be the potpourri of Busted Open on May 4th of 2023, we have another question out there. And that's the one that Bully just posed, that I am not sure what my answer is going to be. But can you put The Undertaker, when it comes to being a draw, in the same lineage as a Stone Cold, a Rock, a Cena, and Hogan? The answers will come more back right here on Busted Open. This is former UFC champion Chris Weidman. Do you want to feel what it's like to get in the octagon with me? Right now, we are bringing the hardest-hitting MMA talk on the planet to your podcast feeds with Won't Back Down, a SiriusXM podcast. Every Monday, I'm speaking my mind and taking you inside combat sports like no one else. Every tap, every snap, and whatever else is on my mind. Download Won't Back Down right now on SiriusXM, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Won't Back Down. We have Magnum TA coming on in just about 10 minutes to promote 80s wrestling con that's taking place on Saturday. But, Bully, you posed the question about the draw. We're talking about AEW, and we said CM Punk is probably the biggest draw in AEW history. And you mentioned about, and you were honest about uh, the Dudleys and ECW and the WWE, and you mentioned about The Undertaker. And, and Bully, once again, what was your take on The Undertaker as a draw? Tommy asked me, was Undertaker a draw? 
I said, when I look at it in comparison to Rock, Austin, Cena, and Hogan, the answer would be no. Tommy, your thoughts? Um, I have always said this. Sadly, he doesn't get put on a lot of people's Mount Rushmore's. The drawing question, I would 100% say, yes, he is. And I have, and I, but I'm just trying to understand Bully's rationale. But I do, I understand it. Now I gotta, I'll ask you uh, one more, Roman Reigns. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before we get to Roman Reigns, we're staying <laughs> with The Undertaker right now. I understand, David. I know okay. this is a... <laughs> yeah, Roman Reigns is going to have his day. We're talking about Actually, the Undertaker. Actually, I have two people, but oh. continue. When I you ask the question... That go, when... the draw right now in the WWE is the WWE and not any one particular person. Though it could be Cody. Um, Cody is... Won, when Cody's announced... I see you shaking your head. No, you see, you have to, you have to def define things. When Undertaker was the world heavyweight champion, was he as big as a draw, if not bigger than Cena, Rock, Austin, and Hogan? I, I'm going to say this, okay? And you people are going to kill me on this. But I don't know. I don't even know if you put The Rock on that list. What? Uh, yes, we can. Absolutely. I was on the houses. Tommy was on the houses. I know how much money I made. But but was it The Rock and Stone Cold at the same, in the same time period? But sometimes Steve wasn't on the card, and Rocky was the main event. But there was. But there were times that Rock wasn't on the card. Stone Cold wasn't on the card. The Undertaker was on the card, and you and they sold out. When Here, I will t I'm going to give you honest now, when Rocky and Stone Cold weren't on the card, a lot of the times the main event was Dudley's Hardys. We're also but, talking uh, a little bit different eras here. Yes. Then let me give you my take uh, about it because I understand how you think. Um, the I do feel. The Dudleys were definitely a draw. I mean, money-wise, yes. House, like tickets sold, all that stuff. Then uh, your assessment of yourself is is on par, like really, really is. And then you guys were a massive acquisition for TNA and part of the draw for that part of TNA. Always in the main events, all that stuff. When after you left, I got to see the undertaker when, I mean, this guy worked every friggin' show when we went to the UK, especially on these tours, he was main eventing and we were packed. And I always felt the undertaker was this unbelievable draw. He was to me an attraction. Ag agreed. And when we think of attraction, who's the number one person we think of, was he a draw? Uh, I I don't know that. No, I don't it's, know it's, that. It's, it's I mean, I, I'm not laughing. I'm laughing because when you get hit with the question, I can. Or I already see what's going on in your guy's brain. You got. Well, I'll no, hit like, you with I this question, and you guys are like, 
almost saying, oh my God, he's right. Well, no. But you but, don't want to actually... No, 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 because I have to think, because here, here's how I say. If I say Andre's in my battle royal, I don't know those facts and numbers, but, like, I know that this place is drawing. That's where I want Dr. Mike to call, and he'll tell me all the stats and numbers. When I say, you say Hulk Hogan is the biggest draw, my other question I was going to say was the other person besides Roman, Roddy Piper. And what was Roddy's biggest argument with about everything? Are people paying to see Hulk Hogan or people are paying to see me fate like boo me while I face Hulk Hogan? I think it was 50 50 with yes. Roddy and Hulk. But I then there was many- also if we're talking about the biggest gate, like and I don't mean to cut you off, but if we're talking about the biggest gate, um, yes, Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania was there but he wrestled Andre the giant and there was a big factor of, Oh my God, will Andre ever lose? And I knew that Andre had been body slammed before, but Oh my God, would Andre be body slammed? Or I've also been to shows big John stud versus Andre the giant body slam challenge. That's going to be the main event. Or for also talking ratings, the Saturday night's main event, the highest rated uh, seg going in television, Andre Hogan could have Hogan done that without Andre. Maybe my assessment is a bit skewed because I was lucky enough to be part of the WWE when Steve Austin and The Rock were the world champions. And those those are the houses that I worked on. I don't believe over time that was Undertaker a draw. He was an attraction. People paid to see him. Did they pay to see Undertaker as much as they paid to see? I'll tell you what. Let's take Cena and and uh, out of the equation. Let's take. Uh, let's just leave it to Hogan and Hogan and Austin. Hogan was Undertaker the same draw as Hogan and Austin. Dave, no, but no, Dave, he wasn't. He wasn't. Okay. But but you're also talking about the two biggest draws probably in pro wrestling history. Hi everybody, Christopher Mad Dog Russo here. Familiar? You should be. Well, now you can catch Mad Dog's Daily Bite each day as a podcast where you'll hear my thoughts and opinions on the biggest topics around the world of sports. NFL, baseball, golf, NBA, even the hockey. That you know you can count on. That's Mad Dog's Daily Bite. Drops daily anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can also hear me weekdays 3 to 6 Eastern on Mad Dog Unleashed, Sirius XM Channel 82, or anytime on the SXM app. The legendary Magnum TA. Sir, how are you? And thank you so much for the time. And I'm so glad to be here. Good to have you, Magnum. Magnum, great seeing you. And always good to see all these faces. You walked into a big, big discussion we're having about draws, and you were definitely uh, one of them. And man. Magnum, Magnum, were you a draw? Uh, You mean with a crayon? You mean an ass every 12 inches in a seat? <laughs> yeah, an ass every 12 inches. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, you know, that that was always a deal. It, did, it didn't matter how big the push, if you didn't put people in the buildings, uh, you didn't you didn't keep getting that push, right? So it was, uh, no, we had a lot of fun in the 80s. I, I've, I've got to say, you know, I was, I was with a great crew in Mid-South and, uh, and Crockett Promotions both. And uh, we did a lot of big business. I think I contributed a little bit too. So, so let me just ask you this, Magnum, just start off, because we were t- talking about draws before you came on. 
by definition to you, who is a draw or what is a draw in pro wrestling and who in your mind were the one or two biggest draws that you have ever seen? So a couple of different things. So when I started, you know, of course we had the territories and we had the people like Andre coming in and out and Andre was a draw, you know, hands down a draw. When Andre came to Portland, when he came to Florida, wherever he came, the house jumped, you know, and so he was a draw. Uh, the road warriors were a draw back then when they came in again, the big attraction, the enforcers, the, the feud settlers, you know, bring the, bring the road warriors in. They were draws. Uh, and Ric Flair, when he was the traveling champion, uh, you know, he was a draw. And those were draws that came in and out. But the, the mainstays in the territories that were consistent draws like Junkyard Dog or like the American Dream Dusty Roads, uh, you know, you know if, a t if the territory didn't have a consistent draw, you know, somebody that, that could carry the load and, and uh, work the main event angles, uh, you know, you were in big trouble. And I mean, I'm going to say you were the, a draw. I watched in Mid-South and, and especially like your rise in, in the NWA where, you know, we were talking about WrestleMania, all that stuff, but like, you know, you were the champion, you and DiBiase, you, you guys had this feud and you're selling out big buildings. Forget about how many people, I mean, I literally are watching men and women clamoring just to touch you and your greatness. And then like, also like, you know, you, once you come into the NWA, I feel you're such a draw and Dusty's also such a genius. He kind of marries the two of you together. Why? Because you're the younger hot stud and he's going to like, you know, help build the territory that he's also doing. But I mean, you and Nikita, you and Tully Blanchard, uh, like everyone talks about Andre Hogan had Savage and uh, Steamboat as this thing. You and Tully in that I quit match was that on that same par for that, well, this was our advertised main event, but holy crap, we got this. And it's true. And, and Tully and I worked, you know, we worked that program for eight months. Wow. We had main event matches, you know, I, and we laugh about this, both of us, because, you know, the I quit match gets all the, you know, gets all the stroke, everybody talking about it. But I promise you, we had, aside from the dramatic finish in the cage, we had matches as far as content that were equal that or better that never got, you know, captured on film. And we, so we were just so used to, you know, working together seven days a week, basically for all those months that it was just kind of autopilot. You know, we didn't even have to think about it. We just did things that were very, you know, violently uh, depicted. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was just a different time. It was before, before these cell phones and the internet and right. everybody knew everything that was going on. I mean, you know, Belser had just started his kayfabe sheet. So that was like the, the biggest spoiler you know, that might, that might be out there, but it was different. So we got to really, really get the most, the most out of what we did. And, and Dusty, to your point was a genius at that because he brought me up to another level by the association with he and I. Yep. And yeah, I had all the buzz because I, you know, in the people's eyes back then when we came on the Superstation and TBS in 19, 
85, uh, it was like I came out of nowhere. Nobody, everybody said, wow, this guy was just born, but I'd been in the business for, you know, going on, you know, about five years and working seven days a week for those five years. So I had, you know, just countless you know, experience under my belt. And then I get exposed to the world as this, you know, this new character. And, uh, you know, Dusty was, was grooming me and teaching me and showing me, you know, how you set your, yourself apart differently as a megastar. Because I've worked on top and learned a lot about the main event uh, responsibility working for Bill Watts in Mid-South and what those main event angles meant. But then Dusty took it to another level above that, the megastardom thing that he was pushing me, you know, so heavily for and showing me how you made yourself unique uh, in what you did. And, uh, you know, he, he was a genius of that. Magnum. Can you remember something specifically that Dusty told you about how you separate yourself from the rest of the locker room and make yourself a superstar, a megastar? It, it wasn't so much words. It was, it was, it was how we, we did business. We came, Dusty and I come from the John Wayne school of baby faces, you know, a, a, uh, didn't matter exactly what you looked like, though. I mean, looks were were kind of important, but it was the persona of being this. No. You know, you mean what you say, you do what you say. When you look in that camera, it's like staring down a shotgun barrel, and you're like coming at these people with the most intensity and realism that they can they can relate to it. They're in this battle with you. And it did. He told me once one time when we were talking about, it, I said, I got to go to the gym. Got He said, you know, he said, you go to the gym for your fun time. He said, that's fine. He said, but it doesn't matter if you ever go to the gym again. He said, you are what you are because of this character that you are. It has nothing to do with having big bulging muscles and, you know, how deep dark your tan is and all this stuff. It is this character that these people are now vested in. And we've made you into this and you've carried it, lived it 24 seven. And that's what has separated you into a, you know, a different, a different plane, so to speak. So uh, he, he really, I, you know, I had, I had different things in my life that happened early on. Like when I was, when I was in uh, uh, working for Joe Blanchard, uh, Ray Hernandez came in. I'd never met Ray before. And Ray and I started training together and Ray had, Ray had brought in a grocery bag full of performance enhancing medicine, if you know what I mean. And, and I was determined that, that I was going to be as big as the road warriors. So Ray and I embark on this, this ride where I went from about 230 to 270 in about six weeks. And, and I was going to 300. I was going to be as big as road warriors. And, and uh, Bruiser Brody walks in the dressing room and him and I had this special bond right from the beginning for some reason he'd kind of taken me under his wing he said kid he said you were looking amazing but can i can i give you a little advice and i said you're bruce and brody of course you give me advice he said if you get over because what you look like and you have to do something 12 months out of the year to maintain that look he said you've written your own epitaph because you cannot do that he said find some happy place that you can maintain live as healthy a lifestyle as you can live and be the best in-ring performer you can possibly be. Perfect your craft. 
and don't rely on some artificial thing that you've got to become a slave to to be a superstar. And uh, right then, the light bulb went off. I, I, I changed my whole deal. I dropped back down to about 240 pounds, and I bounced between 235 and 240 the rest of my career. And, uh, you know, and, and I was never, uh, I never achieved this, this look that I had envisioned in my head, because again, I thought the road warriors were the baddest cats on the planet, but it took me down a different path and it, and it fell right in line with what Dusty, you know, preached to me and taught me about the business What Eddie Graham had taught me about the business, the psychology and the, you know, relating to the people, uh, you know, in a totally different way. So it, it was, you know, it's crazy, but I was only in the ring six years and 10 months. And I crammed so much stuff into that little period of time that I made some marks that we're, you know, talking about 35 years later. Magnum, I want to follow up on that answer because it's, it's amazing because it's so true. But I want to, people say or use the excuse that the business has changed so much. I'm not a big believer in the business changing so much. I believe in the foundation of what our industry is all about and the four corners of it, uh, character and storyline, yada, yada. What you just talked about, how Bruiser Brody gave you the advice about, you know, maintain a look that you don't have to work 12 months around. Or Dusty saying, it doesn't matter what you look like. I'm paraphrasing here. Once you're over, you're over. Do you still think that applies today? I think today, if you, if someone had had that belief in the system and was dedicated enough to it, it was given an opportunity. You could get over today bigger than anybody's ever been over in the last 20 years, because it would be so marketably different that, that you, you know, like, so everybody knows it's a work, but you could hands down walk into a program and convince them that what you were doing was a shoot and everybody else was working, but you were a shoot. I mean, hands down, it would be, the plate is laid out there so perfect for it. I, I give you for for example. So, so even, so back then, you know, I mean, it was before K Fabe was broke, but still nonetheless, you had your, your different guys on the card and whatnot. And some people were, were more entertaining and, and colorful and, and comic, comical, some and some of the things they did, but it was always the goal to walk out and and be the one thing that they walked out talking about, shaking their heads, saying, "I don't know about everything I saw, but those two guys just hate each other and kick each other's ass." And 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 I was right there. I got hit with the sweat when Magnum hit him, and it flew, and and saw you know saw them hit the floor and slide 15 feet across a concrete floor, so. You could do all that today and almost be, you know, just, a, you know, the counterculture kind of thing and, get, you know, get over because it, it would make it mean something. It would, I mean, it, I mean, like Roman Reigns, as big as he is right now and is, oh, well, it's all this, but he could go look like he, they could work a program that made it look like he went off script and flipped and just said, you know what? I am the world champion, and I, I and I'll hold it as long as I want to. And somebody's gonna have to come take it from me because I'm not giving it. I'm not giving it up, you know. And you, it, it would be easy. It, it's easy money. The the Eddie Grahams of this world and and the guys that really understand psychology 
would take all these modern advances and turn it right back around on them and make it something just mind boggling to where they'd be writing up, it'd be on the headline of USA Today that, you know, up there with the UFC and boxing this and that and the other and whatever, you could steal the headlines and, uh, you know, blow up the internet if you did it right. You're uh, giving us a master's class today and, and I thank you and I love your input and you've, you're giving so many points that myself, Bully, and uh, Mark Henry all kind of preach as well. And and seriously, me and Bully are sitting back here like two young boys listening to you. And we're also like, holy crap, because these are things that have been ingrained in us uh, as well. So again, thank you for that. Um, the So many different things, like when you say also about like with Roman Reigns, they do do that, like, because why? He has Paul Heyman saying these things in the fur oh wait you're not supposed to say that on television or or someone also like cody when cody says something when he first came back like oh wait you're not supposed to talk about this you know we don't do this and it is blurring that line that you get bully and i get and i hope and i know and i hope the nation appreciates this conversation as much as we do um and, and thank you again man because seriously it, it's it's so refreshing to hear you know, these points, I've been blessed to work alongside of Dusty and he did so many things to help me. And one thing that you had said, I remember somebody and they were wearing now a t-shirt and he's like, why are you wearing a t-shirt? And like, they were an old, they were older. And he, when the guy walked away and he was like, Oh, you know, I, I didn't. And he's just like, he's now fake. He goes, he's showing that he's insecure when he's supposed to be a baby face. Did he ever wear a t-shirt before? No. And then like, you also look at that. Oh, and I, and I told it with Dave, you remember when Roddy Piper came back when his belly was all big, he's in his trunks, dusty coming back, you know, dusty didn't matter. Or even Ric Flair's last match. He's in it. You know, he's still, he's covered up part of it, but he's still going out there looking like Ric Flair because it is exactly what you said, looking into that camera and being that, and that advice that bruiser Brody gave to you was just amazing but at least you had the foresight to say the light bulb went on for that because it is it's on it's an unattainable goal matt brilliant dude seriously i'm i just want to keep having you talk because i'm just sitting here listening <laughs> sitting at your learning tree well, well I, I sat under a lot of great ones and, i know you did uh, and, and you know and and i wouldn't have got the crash course i did had not everything happened like it did for a reason from from you know day one with Don Owens when I when I started in Portland Oregon right on through Joe Blanchard and then Eddie and then Bill Watts and you know and then the run with the Crockett's uh, just some amazing people and you can't nobody can do it by themselves uh, you know I mean so when you talk about the draws and the guys you know that's why you know I'm. I'm honored to be put in that conversation, but make no bones about it. If it wasn't a quality match from that first match open that opens the curtain and starts it right through the whole thing, nobody's going to come just because of the draw there there. I mean, there's still got to be body and substance to the entire piece to set the stage for that, for that main event and, and, and get everybody in the mindset and anticipating this big thing happening. They're not going to sit through a bunch of junk for, you know, an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes waiting for that main event. If, if they're not getting that quality 
from bell time to bell time. Well, a couple of things from what you said, first and foremost, like to piggyback what Tommy said is the first lesson that I'm hearing is that to listen is to 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 open your ears. And you said the advice that a Dusty gave you, advice Bruiser Brody gave you. I would I would think if there's any young wrestler that's listening to this show right now, that's probably the biggest piece of advice is listen to the veteran, listen to the person who's been there and done that. And then I think a big thing from what you're saying, and we've talked about this a lot here on Busted Open, especially when it comes to the 80s, is that there, even though there was the world championship and the biggest story probably revolved around that world championship, that everybody that was on TV was involved in a story. To your point, when you went to see pro wrestling back then, you were involved and invested in all the matches because everybody meant something. And there were multiple stories going on, like, yes, there was Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes, but there was also Magnum TA versus Nikita Koloff. There was Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant against Pistol Pez Watley. Like everybody had a story. And I think it comes down to storytelling and making sure the people that are given TV time are involved in a story that people are going to be invested in. 100%. Magnum, let's talk about the upcoming 80s convention this Saturday. I'm sure Dave will rattle off all the information before our chat with you is over. What's it like for you to come to these events, interact with the fan base, and see your fellow wrestlers from over the years? Well, first of all, every time these opportunities present themselves, it is like a blessing. Because, you know, I mean, we we all know we've lost way too many guys too way too early uh, in their lives and, and for their age and everything in our industry. So so seeing the people that have been able to persevere and and uh, you know and still have you know clear-headed thinking and and can share their stories and their memories and I mean it takes you back immediately. Yeah, I mean you you see a face and and you know I can remember you know everywhere we worked, things we did, you know, just just you know, you name it, I, I I can associate something to it. And when I look at that card, and it's funny, you know, Bret Hart and I never worked in the same territory, right? But we had this kind of little parallel thing going on. If you think back, you know, he was wearing the black leather jacket and he was wearing the glasses and stuff. And the only time he and I ever crossed paths before my accident, when I was still active, he, he and I both walked into a bar from opposite ends. We were Because we, back then, it was very common for us to work the same towns that WWE was in, or it was WWF back then, of course. But, I mean, they booked it that way on purpose. Well, we were selling out two large arenas in the same town, Philly or Baltimore or Pittsburgh or whatever. And so him and I walk in, it was like two gunfighters. We looked at each other and we made eye contact and we had this like mutual like nod. It was almost like Clint Eastwood and 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 somebody else from back in the day. And we just we both like kind of you know went off and went somewhere else because we knew there was this line in the sand. We had this mutual respect for each other, but we also knew we couldn't go sing kumbaya together and compare notes because we were at war with our two companies. And, so, and so not even a handshake. Not even a handshake. We were wow. like literally 25, 30 yards away from each other. We had the look, we had the acknowledge, we both had on the black leather jackets. It was like, you know, he had the dark hair, I had the blonde hair. It was the funniest time going thing. 
But here's an here's a question that really intrigues me about you and Bret Hart in the same bar, the competition, the territories. Who got more girls? You or Bret Hart? <laughs> well, <laughs> I can't speak for Bret, but but it's uh. It, it, as 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 a 63 year old soon to be 64 year old man and now a dad of of many uh you know i, I have to say that I, if i if i told somebody what really happened they'd never believe it yes we would <laughs> i mean it, you know you know i mean it was we were rock stars and and, and uh it didn't matter where you went it didn't matter what where you stepped foot on the planet there was some somebody there like goo goo gaga and looking at you like you were you know you know on a plate ready to eat and uh it, it was just it it was it was very surreal i mean i've got you know i'm on the biggest you know show on tbs and they're they're uh, pushing me as you know america's heartthrob and the and the loneliest man in america that's the funniest thing ever right <laughs> <laughs> yeah if i was the loneliest man in america uh, I, I I don't even want to say, it, it, but it, yeah, if he did better, I, I would I would be hard pressed to to really be able to wrap my head around that. <laughs> I, I love it. Really quick, you know, you mentioned about Bret Hart, and you mentioned about the WWF at that time, and obviously, you know, and people probably forget, but I'll remind them at that time the I I felt like the NWA Jim Crockett Promotions was bigger than the WWF, but that kind of changed a couple years later in 1987. Was there any thoughts from you or did you ever hear from Vince McMahon or was there the, the temptation to jump over to the WWF? There, there wasn't at that particular moment in time because we were going like linear. Every day something bigger was happening. I mean, from the day we, we jumped on the Superstation uh, and got that kind of exposure, uh, our business just went linear. They put Flair and I around the hoop when we first jumped on. And him and I did 19-hour draws around the whole loop. So everywhere they were seeing the NWA coming for the first time, they were seeing Rick and I going out there doing the hour. And, you know, it was a, you know, it was a pretty fast-paced, you know, kind of action. Uh, Rick Flair was in, you know, obviously he was in prime shape and uh, and I could keep up with them. So it wasn't boring, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, for us, like I said, it, it was a very competitive thing. And if, if I had not had the crash and Crockett still has lost control of the company, had to sell out at that point in time, my thoughts would have changed because my loyalty was to Dusty and the Crockett's, but the Turner the Turner organization, which I'm not saying anything bad about, but they weren't a wrestling company. And, and so when, if the Crockett's had ceased to be the mainstay, I don't think, you know, I don't think Dusty would have, you know, felt the same way either, even if him and I were on fire. So if, if I'd seen the opportunity and Vince, you know, and Vince giving me the nod that he wanted to do it, then, you know, I would have, I would have definitely been weighing that out. Magnum, just my last question, because uh, I had seen you tweet this, and I kind of want to know the story. Andre was the one who said, change your name? Yes. Yeah, Andre. So so when I first, first broke in 1980, I meet Andre in Portland, Oregon. I got the biggest car, so I'm driving Andre around, right? 
And so we get to be buds, we get to be pretty good friends. So I don't see Andre then from 1980 until the summer of 82. So now he sees me when I'm green as grass. I just started literally from one workout in the ring to I'm working seven days in a week to he sees me two and a half years later. And after, you know, Dusty has started seasoning me and, and really, you know, giving me some good ring time where I'm getting experience. And he says, he, uh, we, him and I were having breakfast. And he said, you're ready. And I said, what do you mean I'm ready? He said, all you need is a handle, like a CB handle. He called it back then. And, and he said, you got, he said, you got this look. He said, you should be Magnum TA because he took it from the Magnum PI series. And I, back then I had my hair shorter. And I was wearing Hawaiian shirts down in Florida, like a lot of folks. And, and uh, so he came up with a deal and he was taking it back to Vince Sr. to bring me in. And parallel to that all happening, Orndorff jumped ship from Mid-South and he goes to the WWF and Ernie, Ernie Ladd was his booker. He calls me in the middle of the night because he had been coming into Florida working shots and he'd been looking at me too. And he said, kid, I got the opportunity of a lifetime. So before Andre could make the move or I would have, I would have, it would have changed the whole universe of how I would have, you know, made all these steps. So had I gone to New York, there probably would have never been uh, any of these other things. That's awesome, man. What a story. It's amazing. And, Thank you was so Andre, much. How many, how many bottles of red wine did Andre have when he gave you the name of Magnum TA? <laughs> uh, well, see, you, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure you know Andre. He he went through seasonal things. So he would he would be on the Crown Royal for a number of months, and then he would be on the beer, and then he, or he'd be on the wine. He didn't, like, mix them up. He, he stayed on whatever he was on. So I think we were on beer at that time. <laughs> You know, but, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm drinking a case and he's drinking three. <laughs> <laughs> Even a case. Uh, Magnum, thank you so much for the time. Again, uh, 80s Wrestling Con taking place this Saturday. Uh, Busted Open will be live from noon to two at the Menon Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. Big ISPW wrestling show starting at five. Doors open for the 80s Wrestling Con at 11 a.m. We'll be there at noon. And. You know, listen to this guest list. Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, as you mentioned, Magnum. Uh, the Beverly Brothers, the Brooklyn Brawler, Cowboy Bob Orton, Demolition, Dory Funk Jr., Dr. D. David Schultz, Downtown Bruno, The Killer Bees, Alani Kai, Manny Fernandez, Magnum T.A., uh, Nikita Koloff, the original Midnight Express. I mean, just an amazing array of talent. Even more names that are going to be there come Saturday. And of course, Magnum, I'll see you because I'll be there buying an 8x10 and taking a picture. So I can't <laughs> wait to see you in Morristown on Saturday. Yeah, I can't wait, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Thank you for coming on this morning, Magnum. It was a pleasure having you. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you guys for all the kind words. And uh, like I said, every time we can do this, it's all is equally as special to me. So I really appreciate it. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. 
the longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.